We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Matt, or excuse me, Max Ott. Did Saturday prove that Ben Morrison is better than Kalen King? I don't think it did. I mean, to me, I already thought Benjamin Morrison was better, but I'm just not someone who believes that you make that type of determination based on just one game. It also, what it showed me more than anything is this is why you don't tell corners to do things they don't normally do all the time. You know, Kalen King is an outside corner. Now you're trying to put him in the slot. That's a different animal than defending a guy in the boundary or to the field. So you could say, well, yeah, that, 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 that means Kalen King is better because they move him around more. Oh, okay, fine. You can make that argument, but he wasn't good at it. Right. I mean, that's, that's the thing, but in some guys, Vince just match up better than us. It's like for who, who's the team in the ACC that prior to the last couple of years gave Clemson the toughest games in the last five years, Syracuse. Like why? I don't know. They'd get blown out by other teams and then go beat Clemson or give Clemson a game. You know what I mean? Like, they they beat Clemson one year when they were four and eight. Oh, they lost their quarterback. Should it have mattered? Syracuse no. is four and eight. It shouldn't have mattered. But for whatever reason, Clemson just struggles with Syracuse. I mean, that that's yeah. that, there's been Hall of I guarantee you that I mean there's pitchers that Ken Griffey Jr. just couldn't hit. I mean, just and that's true for every hitter. There's just sure. and, and sometimes it wasn't even a guy that was that good. It's right. like I don't know why I couldn't whatever hit Tim it Wakefield. is. Yeah, the late great Tim Wetfield. Wakefield. I just couldn't hit that knuckleball. Other people killed Tim Wakefield. Oh man, I didn't mean. You know what I mean? But like, just really teed off on it. Same thing with Roger Clemens. There's some guys that could just they just saw the ball well against Roger Clemens, and other guys they couldn't hit. They couldn't get a foul tip against him. It just matchups are that way sometimes, and I, I I think best is always determined by the overall sure play. But I feel like the overall play has already established that to me. And and there was another question that somebody had earlier that about the Benjamin Morrison and Marvin Harrison to me, and we didn't answer this part of it, but like when Benjamin, when Marvin Harrison doesn't do well against Ohio State, it's oh Kyle McCord didn't get him the ball. It's not holy crap, these corners at Notre Dame are really good. And it's like, guys, they've been doing this cons- they've played Ohio State twice, they've played Caleb yeah. Williams twice, they've played Drake May, they've played Tanner McKee, they've played Riley Leonard. They've played all these quarterbacks, Spencer Rattler, and for the most part, they shut them all down. 
at some point in time, you guys have got to start saying the fact of Notre Dame's corners are legit, but right. there's always excuses why. Well, and and he still won't get the love that he deserves. And Cam Hart's definitely not going to get the love he deserves. Nope. It's just the He's reality. had a better season. He's had a better yeah. season than, yeah. than Morrison this year. It's just the reality. They're just not going to get the love. So Saturday, as a Notre Dame fan, it confirmed – and analysts, it confirmed to me, yeah, okay, this is just more evidence that Benjamin Morrison is better. Sure. But if you're someone who thought Kalen King was better beforehand, I think maybe it should maybe at least go back and watch it again and fi- find out why Benjamin Morrison has played so well against him. Perhaps you do that, but I don't think one game should cause that kind of overreaction, unless you're someone who is 50-50 between the two, and then that's something that, you know, vaults it up but i've always thought that benjamin morrison was better than kaylin king and i think kaylin king's very good i think benjamin morrison is better we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Josh Buffo, how bad is it for Dante Moore to not start, win the job, play bad, and get benched for his overall confidence? He's been a turnover machine. Do you think he's in the right offense? Yeah, he's a true freshman. Right. He's going to make true freshman mistakes. Yeah, he's a true freshman. I mean, I, mean, I know he was starting, but that's all I know. He I don't, got, he I got benched this past this week. And, and he's not been a turnover machine. I mean, he's thrown seven picks. It's just he said when he does throw it, it's it was it's bad. Like the, he had the really bad game against Oregon State. Okay, threw three picks, but like that game was bad. But like against Washington State, threw two picks. Like one was a pick six, and he threw pick six against Utah. It's just like it's the bad. It's bad turnovers. 
Gotcha. That's the thing. It's bad turnovers. It's like game-changing turnovers, not third and 19, and I throw a 40-yard post and it gets picked off. It's been like the bad turnovers. Right. Again, he's a freshman. So do I think he's in the right offense for him? Yeah, because he'd probably be struggling a lot of other offenses. Like, yeah. how do you think Dante, he would have handled playing – like, if he's a Notre Dame, how do you think he would have looked against Ohio State? Right. Probably like he did in some – you know what I mean? Like, Correct. You know, um, no, he's in the right he, – He's as long as his attitude is right, he'll be fine. And and, and kudos to Chip Kelly because I don't think they benched him because they're mad at him. I think they're worried about – they saw some of the body language against Oregon State. Yeah. And we're like, this kid's losing confidence and we can't keep throwing him out there and letting him get his head beat in. Let's let's take a step back, learn. They got him in late against Stanford and he did well. He went four or five, you know, 26 yards. But he was getting the ball where he needed to go and going in rhythm. And I think it was smart to, to not keep throwing him out there and letting him get his head kicked in. You know, <laughs> now – Right. How is he going to handle that? I don't know. That's the big question. That's a million dollar question. How is he going to handle it? I don't know. I'm sure his dad's losing his mind right now. And that's <laughs> going to continue to be Dante's biggest problem. Yes, is, it will. Is that right there? But uh, Dante will be fine. As long as he handles this correctly, he'll be fine. I mean, he's a friend. I think it, it speaks volumes to how good he is that he actually got the job in the first place over two veteran quarterbacks. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. the plate. I mean, and he had some good moments too. Looked great against San Diego State. You know, I mean, he looked great in that game. Made some, I mean, the Washington State game, he made some really big mistakes, but he also made some big-time throws in that game. I think the issue was more about he had that look against Oregon State, Vince, and you know exactly what look I'm toward by quarterback. of like, I don't know what's happening. I am not, you know what I <laughs> it's, mean? Like, uh, it's very similar to the look that Lincoln Riley had against Notre Dame. Yes. I, Just saying. I don't know what to do. And yeah, I'm losing right. confidence. Yeah. I'm losing confidence. I mean, yeah. am I right? Like, had to go there. All right, Vanilla Chill. Do you I'm, see? I'm here for it. I'm here. Yeah. For it. <laughs> I figured you might be. Uh, the question is: Do you see the NCAA changing rules to avoid teams that purposely slowly substitute? We talked about this. So it. Oh, saw it a couple times last week where subs walked on the field, lined up slow, so the play clock could go out. Yeah, they're going to need to change that rule. Now, first of all, I think maybe you should say to teams, "Hey, how about offenses? How about you guys just stop substituting every freaking play?" Number right. One, okay. Right. And then, and then you're gonna have to do two things. Number one is you're gonna have to say you can't substitute with X amount of time left on the clock offensively. Right. So it's a two way rule. It's not just we got to do something to make the defense. Sure. It, it's actually smart. If you're gonna try to substitute last ten, last 10, 15 seconds, you're trying to catch us. Right. And so we're gonna. This is what we can do to counter that. What they need to do is, like, you can't substitute when there's less than 15 seconds or 20 seconds left on the play clock. If you're going to substitute, you need to do it immediately. Right. And then give the defense time. But you can't, like, you know, do some of the stuff where you take your time and then you guys substitute real quick or, you know, those type of things. Make your substitution immediately, and then the defense can do it. And then defensively, you know, you kind of got a five count to get off the field. Right? right. I mean, that's the other thing, too. Right. Like, you know, and and, and – and like if I or I'd even say like you know give them a, a a three Mississippi four Mississippi or something like that. When you do that, I'm backing off. Now whether or not you get off the field or not, that's up to you, and how much you want to hustle off the field, right? right? But yes, you need to hustle off the field. I yeah, I have no problem with defense doing that. Yeah, these refs are waiting until like the defense is set. Like, well, they're, it, well, they're I more mean, so waiting till they're off the field, right? And that's that's what they're they're letting them get set because they're taking so slow events, but right. 
to me, that's the rules. And so kudos to the defensive yeah. coaches for doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, but they need to change the rule both ways. Yeah. You have X, you got to get off. You get three seconds to get off the field. Okay. Right. Which is a so long time by the before, way. before I'm, before I'm walking back and letting them snap it. And then, right. you know, now there'll be like the, the time of, okay, now the offense has got to let the referee get out of the way, but I'm giving you a, a three Mississippi and then I'm backing up. Yeah. Right. So you better hustle off the field, but offenses, you can't substitute within 20 seconds of the play clock. You know what I mean? Like once it gets to 20, you can't sub anymore. Right. And I, if you do, and, if you do sub, we don't have to stop it. I think that correct. would be, I think that would be correct. okay. So like no, that's, that's if, Vince, that's explain that because I think that's a better than what I just said, where you have to yeah. stop a guy from coming on. It, go ahead, right. so, explain that. So right now, the, so right now the rule is that if the offense subs at any time during the play clock, you've got to wait until the defense can counter sub. Right. The twenty second rule I think is a good one, but instead of okay, no more subbing at twenty seconds. If if the offense wants to sub at that point, that's on you. And, you know, and it's also on the defense as well. If you want us, if you want a counter sub, then you can, but we're not holding up the snap. So after 20 seconds, it's a free for all. And you're back to the original rules that we've always had since we started growing up that if you want a sub, that's on you, but you better make sure you're getting people on and off. I think that would be a good way yeah. to go about it. Agree. Agree. I like that, Vince. I like that a lot. I think that, hey, you can substitute whenever you want, but under 20 seconds, we're not holding the defense back. Right. Exactly. We're not holding it up. Like that, that's the no, the no, I mean, no, we, no like, we'll hold it up, but you're not, we're not going to like, if you get a penalty, you get a penalty. Uh, yeah, like, we're not exactly. going to, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. you, you can sub whenever you want, but we're still stopping play. We're still going to let the defense substitute. And if it doesn't work out in your favor, then that's on you. Right. Right. I right. mean, something like that. Yeah. But there's gotta be a right. happy medium. Cause it's getting out of control. Yep. I agree. Josh Buffo, when will enough be enough for Notre Dame to say something about NBC's terrible commentators? Jack and Jason take away from the great games. It's truly better to watch on mute than to listen to them unless you... I don't know the rest of it, but yeah. Okay. Uh, look, either way, the deal. It's, it's not going to change never gonna because change. it just clearly right. hasn't yet. As long as they keep paying the checks or cashing the checks in Notre Dame, they're gonna, they don't care. They've been treating Notre Dame as a minor league for NBC yeah. for decades. And now it's even more obvious because they've got other college entities on NBC that have better commentators. And, and notice like when they played Ohio state, they brought in the, the, the a team for that yeah. Ohio state game. Yep. That's a slap in the face. It means we're giving you the B team. Yes. Every week for your yeah. home games. We're giving you the B team. Yep. Yeah. But it, it look, it, I, I don't mean this as any disrespect, but this is why you don't give jobs to people because of who they're, parents are as opposed to now could jack collinsworth eventually be a great play-by-play guy sure. perhaps he's a young kid i mean he's very young it's literally this is why child, you don't throw yeah. him into that spotlight because now it wasn't fair he wasn't ready he yeah. should be doing the rutgers michigan state games right and then right. let him learn let him you know let him develop his skill let him develop his craft and then eventually you know he's ready to do that i mean that, right. that that's how it should have been i don't i don't i don't have an anti-jack collinsworth thing i don't i don't know jack i he Everyone that I know that knows him thinks he's a great guy. I've, I've heard nothing sure bad he about him as a human being. He, he probably is. It's just, this is why, like, we we have a, we have in a, in a lot of different ways a, a merit issue in America where too many things in a lot of different avenues are built, are built around 
your status, other factors that are factors that have nothing to do with merit. And that is what I have an issue with, right? Yeah. Like to get political a little bit, but like they got rid of the affirmative action case. People say, well, you know, you need to get rid of legacy people. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm, I'm Yeah, exactly. If you're a legacy, you should only get in. Or if you're the the kid, the child of a donor, you should only get in if your scores dictate that you should get in. If you were, if your dad was, you know, Vince D'Addario, high school dean at Penn High School, right, right. And and so yeah, it should be about the merit. And same thing with jobs. People should get jobs because they are the most qualified for that job. And if you're not qualified but you have potential, I'll hire you. But you got to work your way up. Yeah. Because if Jack Collinsworth was just, you know, Jack. Driscoll, my cousin, whose dad is just a, you know, runs the local 7-Eleven and just a guy working hard, nine to five guy, just, you know, good family and all that, but not a name, not a famous person. He's not doing Notre Dame games right now. No chance. He's not. And, and so, and that's not a knock on Jack. That's on NBC. You guys yeah. put him in that situation. That's unfair right. to him. Right. That's unfair to him. And, hit, uh, hit, you know, a show. couple of a couple of XFL games does not a pro make, you know no. what I mean? Like that's what they had him do no. in order to get ready for Notre Dame games. And it's like, yeah, you just need more. It's just all about repetition, repetition. You have to right. do literally hundreds of games before you're right. ready to do this kind of right. a thing. There, there's you a know reason. Who else couldn't do, be a good play by play guy for Notre Dame games right now. Me. Right. Because again, right. it's a craft. It's something it you've got to work at. And right. look, and, and I'll bring in our buddy Sean. Like he did high school games in Kansas. You know what I mean? Like and and junior college games and like all like he worked his way up. And it's just about the right. It doesn't matter what games you're doing, but it's about doing games and just doing them and doing them and doing them and becoming familiar and comfortable with the terminology and you know getting excited when you're supposed to and you know whatever. And then also being able to work with a partner. And knowing when to bring that partner in and how to set that partner up and all of those, like, those are all nuances that you, you just don't have. Like you have to do a ton of games in order to make that happen. And he just doesn't have that under his belt. His right now, his ton of games are Notre Dame games like that. That's just not okay. And again, it's not a personal knock on him. He doesn't have the resume to do those games. He just doesn't, you know? And it's a shame. Right. It's it's a shame that we have to listen to that. Because I do you know. I do like his voice. I liked his dad's sure. voice. I just he has a very distinct voice. They're he identical, just like his dad. Yeah. I mean, he really does. But you know what the difference is, Brian? His dad's a color guy, and right. Jack is trying to be a play by play guy. It's a much those, different deal. Oh my yeah. goodness gracious! It's two completely different scenarios. Two completely yeah. different things. Detroit Hunter. Uh, respond, quote, this is the first year that not being in a conference has hurt Notre Dame's playoff chances, unquote. This team has enough that they could have been the first two-loss playoff team. I don't agree with that. I mean, look, if Notre Dame goes 10-2 and two and they were good enough to be a two-loss team, I don't know that being in a conference would have mattered. Because they would have won the like, ACC, which... Yeah, let, let's say they're I mean, in the ACC and they beat Florida State. First of all, it's not a given that they'd get in over Florida State. We've seen this before. That's true. We saw this with Penn State in 2016. Penn State beat Ohio State in a head-to-head matchup in the regular season. Penn State went on to win the Big Ten Championship, beat beat uh, Wisconsin. Was it Wisconsin? Yeah, Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game. 
and Ohio State got the playoff bid. Why? Because Ohio State's overall resume was better. They were 11 and one. Penn State was 10 and two or 11 and two. They lost to uh, Michigan, got blown out by Michigan. Now, Notre Dame wouldn't have a blowout loss, but it's not a given that they would not still go with Florida State in that scenario. It's not a given. I, I think that they still would. But most likely, you'd see other one-loss teams get in. Yeah. You'd see a one-loss. And here's the other part, Vince. If there's a bunch of two-loss conference conference champs, they're going to look at Notre Dame's resume and be like, that's still one of the best resumes of college football. And these other teams don't have that. So, you know, I, I still think they'd have a shot to get in. But I, I if you're a two-loss team, you don't belong in the playoff unless your com- competition is a bunch of other two-loss teams. And be- because Notre Dame will have had their losses earlier as other teams lose later to get to their two losses Notre Dame just keeps moving up and up and up and up so I said it's better to lose early so if they're going to be in conversation and then there's nothing it's like well they get a chance to get a win in the championship weekend okay but they're definitely not going to lose championship weekend either (laughs) so that's that's what that's what it boils down to is like the only way they deserve to even be in the conversation is if there's other two loss conference champs right that's that's the reality of it. Josh Buffo think Will Shipley is kicking himself for going to Clemson. Probably not. Most kids don't mm-hmm. look at it that way. He's no. looking at, look, he was a thousand yard rusher last year. He He's close right. to home. He's getting, you know, probably not. Probably not. Kid, again, kids look at things differently than we do as fans. Sure. And I hope not. I hope he doesn't have that regret because he didn't, he well, didn't do anything wrong. He didn't right. screw Notre Dame over. He didn't lie to him. He just chose another school. And I hope that he, as you know, look, just because you're not winning football games doesn't mean he hasn't had great learning ex- experiences at Clemson. Are going to make him a better man, a better father, sure. better husband someday. And he's the right? man down there, right? Yeah. I mean, that would he right. be the man at Notre Dame? I he'd don't be, think he'd be playing a bunch. He'd be splitting carries sure. with just like Logan did. Yeah, right. and and Will Shipley's a very good running back. I know Notre Dame fans like to hate on some, like to hate on him. He's a very good running back. He just not done play, not playing on a very good team right now. Yeah. Bobby S, how do you get a real evaluation of Carr? His offense throws the ball from behind the line of scrimmage to about 10 yards 90% of the time. It's hard to see a five-star in that offense. Can he still improve his arm? I, I don't agree with your uh, your entire premise. Uh, yes, uh, here's the only thing I'll answer. Yes, he can still improve his arm. So uh, the rest, I just don't, I don't agree with that premise. And here's the other thing. If he's throwing 35 passes in a game and 10% of them are, you know, past 10 yards, I mean, that's still three and a half. That's still three to four balls a game. You're throwing the ball down the field over the course of the year, three, four balls per game. I mean, so even in that premise, which I don't accept, I've seen CJ Carr throw plenty of down the field throws. I mean, did you see the throw he had the other day? He's rolling right and just flips a rope across the field on a backside post route. Like, I mean, that's not a 10-yard throw. That's a five-star throw. Yeah. So I just – I reject the premise uh, of it, to be honest with you. Uh, It's – if you have a hard time seeing a five-star quarterback, then I would say that's more of an evaluation thing than it is a – and that doesn't mean that you don't know how to evaluate. Don't take it that way. It just means – your evaluation is this. I mean, it doesn't matter what his offense would be. There's plenty of balls that CJ Carr's been able to throw down the field to, to be able to evaluate who he is. And But, yes, he can still prove his arm. Fighting Irish fan 91. Brian, what are your updated projections for Aller? 
still believe a five-star ceiling, or are you losing confidence? He's a sophomore made who made his seventh or eighth career start this weekend, guys. I mean, seriously, folks. But he's a sophomore making his seventh career start. If I were to if I were to be like I'm losing confidence, that's a me problem. <laughs> right? That's a me problem. Now, if he just sucked all year, okay, sure. But the kid came into the game, folks, with 12 touchdown passes in six games. Right? Like that's not bad. It's not bad for a kid that's ma- is you know making his first starts. He'll be fine. He'll be absolutely fine. He had three he had actually 15 touchdowns, total touchdowns in six games. He'll be fine. He's got things he's got to learn. Things he's got to improve upon. Absolutely sells a five-star ceiling. Will he get there? I don't know. Because he wasn't a five-star to me coming in. He was still raw and had a lot of mechanical sure. things and all that. Uh, I'd be very happy if Drew Aller, what we saw on Saturday was at Notre Dame right now. I'd be very happy with that. Because part of the problem, too, is Penn State. Like I, I didn't like the offense they were calling on Saturday. Third and 10, they ran a draw with him. What, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And here's the thing, guys. That defense he played on Saturday is pretty freaking good. I mean, sometimes that's the reason that uh, – why didn't this guy play well? Because why didn't Benjamin Moore – why didn't Marvin Harrison play well against Notre Dame? because he sucks? He's overrated? No, because the guys he's going against are really freaking good. Hmm. It, it's okay sometimes. You know what I mean? It's okay sometimes. Uh, Brandon Plesner had a question about this as well, and I'm going to just mention that, but I'm going to bring up uh, Zach's version of it. All right, Zach says, what does the second half of Bama, Tennessee, tell us about Hypel? That his team isn't that talented this year, and that he, what I said, he peaked too early. His team peaked too early. Had he not peaked too early like last year, at least one of those receivers comes back. And they're a different offense. I mean, look, he's in, uh, what's he, in year three at, I think so. um, at, at Tennessee? Right. Or year four. What's what's he at right now, Vince? Is this three, year three or three year sound, four? Three sound. This is year three at Tennessee. Yeah. He went from seven and six to eleven and two. Now they're five and two. They peaked too early last year because of the job he's done. They lost a phenomenal quarterback, two big time receivers, a top fifteen NFL draft pick at, at left at right tackle. They lost a lot of kids from last year's team. I think ten and actually, I'll be honest with you, five and two is better than I thought they were going to be right now. Bama has a better team than they do, and and he doesn't have a quarterback that can execute his offense, to be honest with you, and that'll take time. But I also go back to a bad – you know who else has had a bad half of play calling in his career? Steve Spurrier, Ryan Day, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, everyone, Joe Brady. I mean, everybody. Yeah. So, uh, to me, Zach, with Josh Heupel, it's the, he inherited a bad roster, and he's turned it over pretty quickly. And and to now where in year three, think about this, and Zach. It's a I, I'm cool with what you're asking. I mean, I, I get it because he raised the bar so much that we're asking this question. Three years ago, we'd have been like, man, I'll tell you what, they lost that game, but props to them for for even having a twenty to seven lead on Alabama. Right. I mean, part of that was Alabama was giving them short fields by Alabama. Alabama stopped shooting themselves in the foot. That's kind of how I look at it. They, I mean, I think Vince, we all picked Alabama to win that game in our mm-hmm. in our pick predictions. We did. I did. So he's in a situation where he's going to need time to get his the roster built his way. He was able to 
the guys he inherited that helped them with that quick transition are gone now. So I think it'll, I think it'll be fine. It, what here, but if, to answer your question, what it tells me is that Josh Heupel, like most really good offensive coordinators, you need a quarterback. You need a trigger man to get it done. That's that's really the big thing. Is it tells me when Josh Heupel has the right quarterback, his offenses are dangerous. When he sure. doesn't, it's not very good. But honestly, that's true for a lot of guys, Vince. Oh my I mean, gosh, yes. I mean, the, the the look at look at Stanford, right under David Shaw. I mean, uh, Buddy and I were having this conversation. Like Jim Harbaugh is a great quarterback developer. I'm like, are we just going to completely ignore that David Shaw was his offensive coordinator, right? <laughs> but that offense looked a whole lot different in 2011 with Andrew Luck than it did in 2012 when they were trying to figure out Josh Noons and Kevin Hogan as a redshirt. So you know, I mean, it looked a whole lot different, right? When you had Josh Noons running that offense a a, a year apart in 2011. 43.2 points per game, 489 yards per game, 6.8 yards per play. A year later, the same running back, right? Your your uh Griff Whalen is is you you lost Griff Whalen. Okay, Kobe Fleener, but you still had Zach Ertz, Drew Terrell, you know, I mean, you still Ty Montgomery, you had plenty of players. The difference was you lost your quarterback. And the next year, they went 27.9 points per game and 374 yards of offense and 5.5 yards per play. Did David Shaw forget how to call plays? No. <laughs> didn't have the court, didn't have the right trigger man. And and then, then, then they finally settled in on Kevin Hogan. If you remember, Vince, they finally settled in on Kevin Hogan. And then who, who was not, he was not Andrew Luck, but he was still a pretty good quarterback. The next year they jumped back up to, you know, 32 points per game. And then they were 37.8 by the time Kevin Hogan was in his last year. Right. And, and so then the next year, 2016, they took another dip again because they didn't have the right quarterback. Right. And so, and that ended up becoming his Achilles heel because he just couldn't get the right quarterback again. No, but that's, that's to me what it kind of boils down to is you've got to have the right trigger man in those, in those, when you have those offensive head coaches, you need the right trigger man. I mean, there are some years Steve Spurs offenses were struggled because he's trying to rotate like, you know Rex Grossman and and uh, right, who's right. the other quarterback? He just couldn't fit. He couldn't find the right formula. Why? He didn't have the right quarterbacks. So that's always been true, in my opinion. It's always been true. If you have the right, you have to have the right quarterback in those offensive generated for generated teams. That's what it tell, tells me. And his his roster's not there yet. We'll see if Nico can be that guy. We'll find out. Like that. That's a team where people have said about Notre Dame. Would you Would you want to? you know, t- turn the roster over to Minchie. And I'm like, no, because Notre Dame's got a lot more to play for. Tennessee is a little different situation because I don't think they quite have quite as much to play for, but there's more certainty of over who they're – like, if you're going to turn the team over at Notre Dame over right now, Steve Angeli's your backup quarterback. He's not your quarterback of the future, I don't believe. Agreed. Where Nico is your quarterback of the future. If you think he might be ready, then maybe you turn to him now, but that would at least consider it, but I, I don't know that they'll do that mainly because Joe Milton's also considered a, a really good leader on that football team. Nicholas Grosh, how will the 12-team playoff impact Notre Dame's approach for each season? Since we may get December home games, do we recruit, recruit for cold weather? You don't recruit for cold weather. You don't. What you do no. is you recruit for the system that is geared towards knowing you're going to play several games in cold weather. Sure. That's more of what you do. Uh, but you don't recruit for cold weather. I mean, kids come here, they they learn, they adapt, they get used yeah. to it. 
you know, I mean, there's all the funny stories about guys getting used to being in the cold and whatnot, but you get used to it. I mean, it's just like, we all talk about, Oh, USC players. I want to be here. Notre Dame's well, there's a lot of warm weather kids at Notre Dame. Absolutely. And there's, there's cold weather kids at USC that are all bundled up when they come up here because they've gotten used to being Caleb Williams has played in cold before. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a good point, Vince. It's a very good point. Uh, so what you do with that, Nicholas, is you you have to develop your system to make sure that you can play in the north in the second half of the year. That That's yeah. what you need to do. So when you recruit for cold weather in that regard, then I think Nicholas, is, Nicholas you could say that you're recruiting to the cold weather because you develop your system to fit yeah. where you where you live, where your school is. And then you recruit to that system. Right. Which they're they're already they're already doing. Right. The only thing Agreed. that to me, a, a playoff, the 12 team playoff does for Notre Dame is I think it gives you a little bit more room to say, hey, if 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 I think Kenny, just me, I'm in Jared Parker's shoes, and I think Kenny Minchie has a chance to be special at Notre Dame, but I know it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough ask for me to have him in game one go down to College Station and beat A and M, right? That's a tough ask. Well, if we're in a if we're in a four team playoff, then I I've, I've got to think I got to go in the offseason and say I got to get a portal quarterback that can, can win us that game because we just, you know, we, we can't afford to lose in game one. And, you know, I just, we can't afford it. But now in a 12 team playoff, you're like 10 and two probably still gets us in. Yeah. And then you look at, I got Northern Illinois the next week, Purdue after that, uh, Miami after that, I don't get another really talented team until four weeks later against Louisville. Then after that, I got a bye week then Stanford, then Georgia tech, then Navy. And my next big game isn't until November 9th against Florida State, depending on who the 12th team that they add is and where you face that. But that's where it is right now. Hey, let's see if we can go down there and with our defense and run game, get a W, and then right. we can develop Kenny. But if for some – I'm not saying you accept a loss. but I'm saying is I'm willing to take my chances about Kenny going down there and getting that win, whereas otherwise I might go the safer route and go the portal. So now the 12-team playoff allows me to say – I'm going to take more chances with this young kid early at quarterback yeah. or maybe another position because I feel if we can just get through those first few weeks and if if if, if it worst case scenario we're three and one we're okay because we got plenty right. of big teams on the schedule and this kid by the time we get to November it's going to be dangerous. I think you may see more decisions like that where I don't need to go to the portal as much at certain positions because I've got some time to develop this kid and a little bit more margin for error because. Sure. You know, like right now, if if this year was a twelve team playoff and Notre Dame wins out, they're in the playoff. Oh, I absolutely believe easily, that. easily, yeah. in my opinion, because they got yeah, they only got to get up to number eleven. Yeah, and That's I think it. they're a single. I think they're a single digit. Um, you know, seed Ranked team as well. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, possibly could. Be, yeah, could possibly host a game. Yeah, yeah. like because you, you got to remember, you you can't be ranked twelfth. You have to be ranked eleventh or higher. Right. Unless a group of five is ranked like in the top ten right? Because you're going to get the automatic right. for the group of five. Right, right, right. They're, they're at 14 right now. I guarantee they'd be up, get up to at least 11. Oh my by gosh. By the time the season's over. Yeah. At least. With four more games to play? No right. doubt in my mind. So you have more margin for error. Right now, 14 playoff, Notre Dame's not a playoff team. Yeah. 12 team playoff? Yeah, they're went in. out. Went, your your destiny still to a degree in your own hands right now yes. if it's a 12 team playoff. To a Absolutely. degree. To a degree. To a degree. I mean, yeah, but right. there's there's enough teams ahead of you that play each other that it, it's going to, you know, it's going to affect the rankings. So I, I, I actually, I would say that their destiny is in their own hands because they have to win out because teams are going to play each other. They're going to, you know, they're going to drop just because 
of natural attrition, right? And so I, you know, because look, the home games go to, to go to what? The five plays 12, six plays 11, seven plays 10, right? And then eight plays nine, right? So if you're in the top eight, you're hosting. Mm-hmm. Did, did I do that right in my head? Yeah, so, you're the eight seed. You host the eight, nine game. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Notre Dame would have a great shot of being in the top eight and hosting in December with two losses. So you're right. Your margin of error is is wider, and you can make decisions like, okay, you know what? If we can escape or come close in game one on the road, you still start the guy that you think is going to be your guy for the whole season. I, I think that's a really great way to look at it. I never thought of it that way, to be honest with you. Uh, but the bottom line is your – Margin for error is wider, you know. I'm I'm dying to see how you're going to re- answer to this question. Oh, Vince. I'm going to read it okay. from Irish Gordy. Not Vince. Thoughts on the Bears' backup quarterback looking better than Fields' best QB play for the Bears all season? I'm sorry, this yeah. is utter nonsense in my opinion. You know what? But I'm curious to hear what you think. I, I would love to have an opinion on this, but they showed the Lions getting blown out locally. <laughs> you didn't watch it? The, oh, couldn't. It wasn't on. Gotcha. It wasn't on, and I don't get Sunday NFL ticket because I don't care that much. Uh, but they chose – they were both Fox, and they were both 1 o'clock. So they showed the Lions getting the doors blown off of them yeah. as opposed to the one win. Well, the, the Lions Bears are the have. much better team. No, Here's I the thing. I just – I love – I, I think he might be joking. I'm The utter nonsense thing, I'm just busting your chops a little bit because you're, you're a, a guy that's been around for a while, but I'm sorry. I, I checked a little bit of that, that game out. The kid went 21 of 29 for 162 yards and one touchdown. They ran for 173 yards. Yeah, they ran the ball like, a lot. Justin Fields in his last two games, including the game before he got hurt, they scored 40 points. He threw for 282 yards and 335 yards in the previous two games and threw eight touchdowns in those two games. Like, right. are we seriously trying to say that yesterday was the best quarterback play well, all season? I think I believe, he's busting your chops a little bit. I think he I, I, I kind of think he's busting but, your chops a little bit. And the one touchdown that he threw uh, yesterday was to the running back, by the way. So okay. it was a very running back-centered game. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, which is a good sign. I mean, it shows that you guys can go run the football maybe. For sure. Going. I, yep. I don't know, man. I kind of want them to have a high draft pick at this point. Like, I think that's where I'm at. Well, at the, right don't now. they have a shot to get this? So, I mean, Carolina's going to give you that, aren't they? Yeah, but it might, I wouldn't be upset with two. Sure, I get two, that. Two, two I get top that. five picks. I get that. But you're right. Carolina will uh, single-handedly allow that to happen for sure. It's not a protected pick. So yeah. Here, Here's uh, an interesting one, Vince. That would be nice. All right, from Gideon Rosa, you can add 2015 Will Fuller at wide receiver or 2017 Quentin Nelson at guard to this team. Who are you taking? Uh, well, I, I love Quentin Nelson, and he was a much better college football player than Will Fuller. He was one of the most dominant guards I've ever yep. seen, but I'm taking Will Fuller. That All need day. is so much greater. I mean, if All you put like long. Will Fuller on this team, because if you put Quentin on this team, you still have the same issues with the ability to throw the football. Correct. You put Will Fuller on this team. Could you imagine him and Chris Tyree running double posts? Yeah. Pick your poison. Okay. Chris Tyree's going to be wide open all day because they're going to like screw on that guard and that guy. Yeah. No, I'd take Will Fuller. And somebody uh, else asked uh, this question, Vince. Chief Brody, is this team undefeated with Michael Floyd on the roster? Yeah. It, yeah, I think so. I think so. And that's exactly why I would take a Will Fuller as well. I even think right. more so Michael Floyd because with Michael Floyd, you've got your boundary. If Will Fuller's there, you still know who your boundary is. 
right? right? You don't have a great bounce. You put Will Fuller, you put Michael Floyd in the boundary, and then you've got Tyree and Tobias and Great House. And you can do Nathan some different Thomas things. And all those guys can play yeah. in the field. Yeah. And yeah, you're cooking, man. You're really cooking. So either yep. one of those two guys so, on this team is undefeated to me. Yes. What, what it comes Harvey down to throwing for a bunch of yards. Yeah. What it comes down to is need. Like where where right. where do you need the player, right? I mean, right. look, you're not going to turn down Quentin Nelson if you're offering him to the to the roster. If, obviously, that's my only option. Right. Yeah. But like, you got to look at the need on this particular team right. and where they're at. It's wide receiver. I mean, right. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, and again, uh, if you're asking me who was the best college player between Quentin Nelson, Michael Floyd, and Will Fuller, I'd that's I'd say Quentin Nelson. Yeah. Right now, now they were all great. They were all all-time greats in Notre Dame, but Quentin Nelson was the most dominant of that group. Yes. Uh, but, yes, Vince, as you said. And here's another one kind of like that. All right. If uh, Oh, this is from John Grasselli. Uh 2015 Jalen Smith played in this defense. Where would he make the greatest impact? Obviously, he could play any of the linebacker spots, but imagine him being unleashed at Viper. My Lord! Thoughts. He would be doing that on third down, in my opinion. Yes, he'd be coming off the edge, I think, on third. He'd be doing what Jalen Sneed does on third down, in my opinion. Right. But, yes, if right. if, if, if Jalen Smith was uh, so Notre Dame right now, he'd be a Will linebacker after will. about 10 tackles per game yep. and about yep. one and a half to two tackles for loss per game. Yep, you, you set him loose on third down. down. I have no problem with that. I think that's a great spot for him to be, but he's your Will. Absolutely, because he's playing in space, making plays. Like, yeah. Yeah. Dream a little dream. Jason Smith, do you think Murphy is better than Arch at Texas? I do. I, I look. I like Arch. He's a good quarterback, but he was always over overhyped. I mean, he's he should have been a top hundred kid. He was a top sure. hundred quarterback, <clears throat> but he got the hype because of that. And I I think Malik Murphy has more God given talent. Arch is a little bit more advanced, just from you know the, who his family is. But uh, and then Malik Murphy also has a year on him in the system. That that also helps. So, so is, yeah, right are now, they saying that Arch is the third string quarterback at Texas he is right is now? Yeah, okay. Malik Murphy's there, but that's been true. I mean, Malik Murphy was closer to beating out Quinn Ewers than he was getting beat out by Arch Manning. Gotcha. But Arch again, Arch is a freshman. Correct. Malik's a sophomore. He's got a, a full year in the system now. Where will where will Arch be next year? That's going to be the bigger question. Sure. Yeah. Is uh, from Jason Smith. Is KK a different type of wide receiver than we have played this year? A little bit, yeah. Played with, I think, is is the question. Yeah, a little bit. He's he's a, a shiftier guy, smooth, fluid. You know, he he's he's um he's a decent route runner, but he's more of an after the catch kind of guy than like Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores. And the only guy that really brings some of that is Chris Tyree. But Chris Tyree's an after the catch guy just with his speed. You know, catch it and run fast, not a make you miss. Caleb's got a little bit of, a uh, little bit of shake to him after the okay. catch. He's got a guy that could maybe be your punt returner. Like he, mm. he, if he was healthy, he he'd be a guy that I'd look at as my punt returner. Right, right now, if he was healthy, sure. So yeah, he brings he brings a different skill set than what you have. He does. He's he's a slot shift. He can play outside. You know, vertical speed. But you want to get him the ball in space and let him make people miss and run. He's a guy that you're throwing RPOs to. Because you know you want him to do some shaking and things like that, so yeah, he definitely brings a an element to the table that I think Notre Dame um, would would like to have. Absolutely. And he's still coming back from the shoulder, right? I mean, he's not correct. Yeah, yeah, and it was an injury he suffered in high school, not something that happened in. Notre okay, Dame. 
Gotcha. Yeah. I knew he was out all of like preseason when we were yeah. in practice and things That's like something that. That's something he but... showed up with and they just decided yeah. pretty quickly like this needs to get this needs gotcha. to get Gotcha. We got a two-part question here, Vince, from uh, Michael S. Both super chats. All right, Michael. Thanks for the super chat. It seems Hartman is reluctant to throw down field. Well, that was his calling card in the past, or has Notre Dame wasted Hartman's year here? It's like kind of like neither is really like it's you know this is kind of what we talked about earlier. It's like one extreme or the other, right? Like it's right. It's right. He's reluctant, and or he's wasted year. Well. It, He's been a little reluctant in the last few games, mainly because who he's throwing to in practice is not who he's throwing to in games. And I don't know that the coaching staff is giving him a lot of opportunities to throw outside because there's not a lot of confidence in the outside receivers, flat out. I mean, that's 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 there's there's no denying that. Have they wasted his year? Guys, they've had a a, a tough stretch of they had a tough stretch of three games. That that's what they they had. He hit two downfield shots against. USC only threw 20 passes, <laughs> you know, and, um, and, and took another shot down the field and, and Jordan Faison got covered up, but they had a th- tough three game stretch against three really good defenses. Like it happens. And sometimes guys didn't make plays. Sometimes he didn't make the plays. It happens. He went through that at wake forest last year. He went through about a two to three game stretch against wake forest last year where he, he really struggled, really struggled. And he still got his yards to a degree, but I mean that quarterbacks go through that. I mean, here here it is right here. Uh, it, two, it was two games. It was three out of four games actually. No, I'll, I'll go here. This two game stretch. He back to back games against Florida State and Army, due for two hundred thirty four yards and two hundred forty six yards, and only three touchdowns in two games. And then he had a two game stretch against North Carolina State and Louisville. He lost both games. He completed less than 60% of his passes in those games. Threw for a decent amount of yards, but he had three touchdowns and six picks, right? And then then what did he do? Bounces back the next week, those for 320 yards and four touchdowns, right? I mean, so so quarterbacks go through that. They, they do. Yeah. Let's see how they finish, Michael. I think the, the time to answer this question is at the end of the year. Right. If things don't get any better and they keep doing this dink and dunk and running the ball nonstop and don't take shots, then you could say, why did you bring Sam Hartman here? Sure. Right. I mean, I, I think it's fair to have that thought in your head, but I don't think it's the wasted year. But if they don't change in the next four games, could I then say there's more merit to Michael's question about they wasted the year? I think that'd be more valid, Vince, if if that's the case. You know, so we'll see. Let's see how they finish. I, I mean, right now. Yeah. You went through a, a four-game stretch where you're in, half your receiving core was basically not practicing. Yeah. And these are all guys that you never played with before. I mean, if A.T. Perry didn't practice, it's fine. They've thrown a million balls together in the last previous four years, right? It's different now because it's a different group. You have freshmen, all that kind of sure. stuff. And they're not practicing. That's going to throw off your t- – it's going to hurt your confidence of throwing down the field in a big moment. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. That's just understandable. It's a reality. But right. if that doesn't change these last four games, Vince, then I think we can have a conversation about whether or not why did we bring why'd you bring this kid in? Like why? But I'm just not ready to go there yet because they did do, do that stuff before. And they were throwing the ball down the field against NC State. They were throwing the ball down the field against Central Michigan. And the first two touchdown passes were bombs that that were thrown over 40 yards in the air and caught for 70 plus yard touchdowns, right? I mean, so we've seen it. Just got to see if they're going to do it in these next four games when everybody's healthy. Yep. 410 G- JP, thanks to the Super Chat. Is the NCAA really investigating Michigan, or is it just rumors? No, they they definitely the are. 
Yeah, they, they, the they um so they suspended the coach in question. Yeah. Now somebody in the chat just said that that dude bought tickets to the Ohio State Penn State game to try to film that. <laughs> Which is if that's true, that's insane. That's just like I'm under investigation for for something and I'm just going to keep doing but out in the open, how, the thing that you're doing. I was like, going to say, that's, that's the key, right? Out in the open. Like, like that's if I wanted absurd. to go to a game, I would have you buy the tickets for me. And then I would, you know, or, you know right. what I mean? And he like, might have done that. Like, he might have he might have had somebody do it, but then he tries to show up, right? But here, people have asked, what's the big deal? Well, here's what the big deal is. Number one is, it's the rule. Right. If you, if you, if I'm, if I'm not smart enough to where you figured out my calls in game and we don't adjust, that's on me. But you've got smart players. You guys are doing whatever. And it's sure. part of the gamesmanship. Hey, it's no different to me than I know on third and two, they line up in this defensive alignment. And so on third and two, we're going to run this play and we're going to take a totally fair game. But when you're going to a game and you're recording the signals and then using that to gain a schematic advantage, that's blatant cheating. That's not, well, we thought it was okay. It's a very clear rule. Right. You can't do that. And now, you know, Harbaugh's probably going to hide behind, well, I didn't know he was doing that. I didn't tell him to do that, which is total bullcrap. Because you're like, how else do you have those calls? And and what had to, this is my opinion, what had to have been happening is they were sending in calls and the Michigan kids had to immediately be looking around telling each other what the play was. Because did you see Greg Schiano's interview at halftime of the game against Michigan? So basically he was like, there's something going on here that's not right. There, it's something's going on here that's not right. Like you could, t- like, what is he talking about? Well, now we get it. And apparently, Big Ten coaches have known about this for a while, and somehow they gained enough evidence to say, "Look, this is happening." Okay. So I don't know how they did it, but they are at it, and they're going to get hammered for this because, for whatever reason, the NCA has it out for Jim Harbaugh. That, and, that's and, true. I agree with that. And you're giving them, you're giving them things. To come at you for and, for some and you reason, can, and you can you can disagree with the rule, and that's fine. Like I disagree with the fact that the speed limit's not seventy everywhere, but it's still a rule that you're not supposed to break. And if you get caught, you have to pay the piper, so to speak. Right. So it, it it's amazing to me. You hear all the national people talking about how they don't like the rule and all that. Doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. Like I wish there was a rule where if I was annoyed enough by somebody, I could shoot him in the head. That's Whoa, against, that's against Whoa. the rules. Okay, we're about to get demonetized right <laughs> now. Know. I'm joking, obviously, but there oh. are rules for a reason. You can't just break the rules because you don't agree with them. That's not that's not how an organized society works, right? And so yeah. he broke the rules. And you, you know, right. we at the as a high school level, you send team, you send coaches to pre-scout and you do all of those things but it, it doesn't matter it's still a rule in the ncaa that you can't do right that. and i don't think you should be able to do that and here's the thing it's not even just okay i went to the game but it's he's videotaping yeah that's that's that, where it yes, goes over that's the line taking it to a too. whole new level right we used to send coaches like with uh with paper that had like the five offensive linemen and they would draw plays as they saw right. them and, and things like that. Like, but you were going to get that scouting. on film anyway, at some point right. in time, you know what I mean? That's like, scouting. yeah. Right. You know, and, and what they would they write down personnel groups that would come in and out or like how that happened or whatever. Right. Which is to be honest with you, it's kind of gone away now that you have film the way you do. Right. Cause it used mm-hmm. to be exchanging the VHS 
and that wasn't always the best. And so the middle school coach, again, I'm talking high school, the middle school coaches would go scout and they would have very specific things they were supposed to be looking for Mm -hmm. and all of that. But now that like a snap of a fingers with the huddle, you can get film from multiple teams and all of those different, it's not even really a thing anymore, you know? And so they were clearly breaking the rules. Right. And that's like what matters. Blatantly. No, like, yes. gee, we didn't know. It's been a right. forever. Correct. I love this one from Archer 452, but I have a point to this. He says he apparently did not buy tickets to any TC or Georgia <laughs> games, though. But here's the point. You don't know that you're going to play those teams. Yeah, exactly. Like, when did you think Michigan was like, gee, we may be playing TCU? Right? Like, right. it's too late for that. Right? Exactly. And, and so that's the whole thing. Is, game. Exactly. And so what happens to Michigan's defense in those two games? They get ripped up. Yeah. It's not a coincidence, in my right. opinion. And at least not now. Like, man, what, what happens to them in those games? They get they get ripped up pretty good, you know? And it's like, well, how about the conference title games? Well, it's Purdue and Iowa, so you've played the last two years. But number right. two, you're looking at those teams. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and somebody just said he, he bought the tickets in his own name is what the new rumor See, is. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just the new rumor. If that's like, true, that's ridiculous. That's all-time level of stupidity. Yes. And, yeah. and, again, I will agree with some of the talking heads out there that are like, you know what, it's time for, like, the communicator and the helmet for college. I, I do agree yeah, with that. Agree. The problem, I, the reason they don't do things like that is not every school can afford that. It, absolutely. That's I, the problem. I completely agree. Like the NAIAs and the, the right, like, and even some of the group of five teams that are barely yeah. scraping by with the yeah. little itty bitty TV money they're getting, and they have to right. fly. Like if you're a Mountain West team, you got to fly out to Hawaii, you got all over the place, and you're not making the twenty, thirty, forty, fifty million dollars a year in TV sure. revenue. That's not cheap. Yeah, like those communicators aren't cheap. I mean, they're yeah. more accessible now than they have been in the past but they're not cheap right so i agree yep tyler evans with a super chat can you guys give me your top five head coaches in college football right now they get the most unfair criticism i i honestly don't know that i I mean that's that's very criticism uh, i subjective isn't it i mean i don't know that i would say that there's guys that get unfair criticism uh yeah, I don't know that I could. I don't know that I could think of that one, Tyler. Usually, questions like this have a genesis from something. Like he's thinking well, about. A we had talked about the most likable, unlikable. Oh, I think sure. He was the one that asked those. I think it just kind of okay. another. I, I, I honestly, I'd have to think about that. Require Tyler. That requires a little bit more thought. Maybe put that on the message board. And let me think about it and go through the list and stuff. I just we're four hours in. We're we're going to be wrapping up here soon. I'm kind of. I have to think about that one a little bit. Chief Brody with a super chat. Woof. If Michigan finally beat Ohio State and then are going to have to turn around and vacate all of those wins, trying not to get my hopes up, they're not going to have to vacate their wins for that kind of a penalty. I wouldn't think. Yeah, I would. I think it would be tough to to prove. Like, yeah, uh, here was the best tweet that I saw this weekend. Some guy, and I don't remember who it was, he tweeted the Michigan score, Michigan, Michigan State score. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is this is going to end up being one of the most impressive, like vacated wins ever or something like that. It was like it was really funny. I'd have to go look and see what it was. But it was like they they may. I don't know how the NCAA is going to handle it, but I, I don't he'll, I think he's being kind of sarcastic here. But oh, sure. Vacated wins to me are, are still you. You got so stupid. Kicked. Yeah. I mean, you still I, pop in the film and Ohio State still got their butts kicked. Yeah. Two years ago. Still still got blown out in the second half last year. I mean, those things still happened. Yeah. All right. And and I and I really hate the whole uh the whole vacating wins thing is just stupid. 
Agreed. It's dumb. The games were played, and and you know, and so it, they are what they are. Now you can take away whatever money or trophies or whatever. That's fine, whatever. But yeah, it's um, we still know who won the games, and that's yep, all that exactly. I personally care about. Exactly. So, yep. Jason Smith got just out of curiosity. Would Ludwig have asked Marcus Freeman what he wanted to do during the Duke game, or is that having a less experienced OC thing? That's always going to be something in in a situation like that. You're talking to the head coach. Head Absolutely. coach is always going to be, hey, what, what what do you what do you want to do here? Hey, let's go. Let's take a shot. All right, here's my shot. Right here's my. Hey, play let's run the that. ball out. Okay, here's what I'm right. running. Right. You know, right. like that's. At the that, end of the day, I, it's it always the head coach's decision. And Steve Sarkeesian was like asking Nick Saban that. Yes. Right. I mean that flat yeah. out. Lane Kiffin might not have, but that might have been why Nick Saban got so pissed at him. <laughs> yeah. You exactly. know what I mean? But like, it's it's yeah. just that's just the, the protocol. That's right. the protocol. That that yeah. that that's not a. Now, if it was like, hey, here's what I want you to run, that would be more of an inexperienced play caller thing, most likely. Sure. No, it was never a. Hey, coach, what do you want me to run here? It's like we running or throwing. That's always right. part of the communication. That's healthy yep. communication. And then the coach yep. tells you what he, yep. what, you know, let's, let's, let's do this. And then you've got your calls for it. Yeah. Agreed. T Smith. Oh, three, two, three. What about Jefferson from Arkansas? Does he have any eligible? I think that's the, if he's KJ. available, does Notre Dame go yeah. after him situation? Yeah. I believe KJ was a 2019 kid. Yes, he was. So he would have another year. And I and I also believe that KJ did not play in 2019. So 2019 plus the COVID year, uh, if I'm correct on that, let me see. KJ, yeah, KJ played three games in 19, so he would have taken a red shirt that year. I'm a big KJ Jefferson guy, Vince. I like KJ Jefferson a lot as a player, a lot as a player. To me, whether or not I'd look at him would depend on what the offense you want to run is. And I actually sure. think KJ would fit the current offense pretty well. He's okay. a big kid. He's got a big arm. He's a mobile guy. He can run. Uh, you know, this year he's he's only got 200 yards because he's been banged up. But he ran for 640 yards last year, nine touchdowns through 24 and five. He's more of a he's more of a guy that you're gonna the year before 9.1 yards per attempt, 664 yards, six touchdowns, 21 touchdowns, four picks. Only attempted 22 uh, throws per game, 27 last year. Like he actually fits the Notre Dame offense a little bit better than what Sam than Sam Hartman does for what Notre Dame is doing right now. You know, big arm, mobile kid, get him out of the pocket, that kind of stuff. I don't know that that's necessarily what Notre Dame would like to be. So I, I don't know if if that fit is still the same, but I would look at KJ. My here, but here's why I ultimately I would say no. Okay. I still want to develop my guys, but the problem I have with KJ, as much as I love him as a player, and I actually got to know him a little bit uh, with all with all open, just being open. I got to know KJ a little bit during the recruiting process because I was still covering recruiting back then. Oh, okay. Awesome kid. Would be a great he actually liked Notre Dame a lot. They didn't they chose Brendan Clark over him. Just just letting y'all know that right now. KJ loved Notre Dame. Loved Notre Dame. Uh, but Notre Dame decided they didn't want to go that they they liked Grand Mertz and then eventually okay. uh, eventually Brendan Clark over him. So, uh, okay. but he would fit in very well <laughs> at Notre Dame. I just don't know if he's the type of guy that I would want to go get because of the injury history. That's my okay. concern with AJ with KJ is he's had a tendency to get banged up because of the style of play he has, you know, and and. Um, you know, hasn't missed any games this year, at least not any full games, but he missed time last year. 
missed, you know, was banged up for a couple weeks the year before. He's just gotten a little banged up at times in his career. And and so that would be my only concern for KJ. Um, you know, you bring the him in and then he gets banged up and then you got to turn to your young guy anyway. Sure. I'd rather just turn to the young guy, but he he's a guy that I would look at Vince. And I'd want to check out his injury history just a little bit more fully and get some more details. Cause I, I really like the kid. I mean, you know, I thought he's played well in some big games as you know, I thought he played great against LSU this year. I mean, had them on the verge of winning that game, uh, played pretty well against Ole Miss, had a couple turnovers, but I think, I think his offensive coordinator stinks to be honest with you. When you looked at him last year with Kendall Bryles, he was very good. Uh, ripped up, you know, Cincinnati pretty good in the opener. Uh, played great against BYU last year. Uh, played great. I mean, played great against Ole Miss last year. I thought, you know, made some big, big, some really clutch throws. Ran the ball pretty well. Uh, and then you watched him in the bowl game against Kansas, and he was he was excellent. And we've had people say, "Man, if he would have played against LSU, they'd have beat LSU last year." And that's probably true, but that's exactly my point. He didn't play. You know, I mean, he didn't play against LSU, and that's that's the issue because he was hurt. So um, I, I like the kid a lot, but ultimately I think the injury history and the fact that I just want to develop my own guys is why I would probably mm-hmm. say no. But would I look at him? Yeah, I'd look at him. I'd have some talks with him. I'd have some conversations with him for sure. For sure. Last two, Vince, and then we're going to get out of here. All right, Seth Clark, out of all the corners, Notre Dame has been recruiting in 2025. Who do you think are takes – and who would your dream corner class be in 25? Well, basically, right now, you've really got four corners on the board, or five corners on the board. Let me let me think for a second. You've got Dallas Golden. You've got Cree Thomas. You've got Devin Williams. You've got Mark Zachary and Kevin Hume. So there's five guys on the board right now. Those are the five corners. Right now, their name would take any of the – three that want to come. I, I think three is the number they're looking for in this class, okay. just because it's such a loaded class. I, I look, give me Dallas golden. And, and after that, give me two of the, any of the other three that want to come. I mean that, that there's no, like to me, Seth, there's no dream class and it's Dallas gold, Mark Zachary, Devin Williams, Kevin Humes and Cree Thomas are the five that are on the board right now at corner. They're all talented players. And honestly, there's not one of them that I'd feel good about saying no to. Like, honestly, like if I had three corners committed and one safety committed and Creek Thomas wanted to commit, I'd say, yeah, as long as you're willing to maybe consider playing safety. Cause I think Creek Thomas could also be a really good cover safety in this defense. You know what I mean? So it's a tough one, Vince, because they're all really good yeah. and they're different. You know, Devin Williams is more of a pure, like a Tariq Bracey type of cover nickel to me. You know, 5'10", really athletic. You know, Dallas Golden can do anything. Mark Zachary can play both. He's a he's a, got some Benjamin Morrison to him a little bit, not quite as big. Uh, Kevin Humes is a very physical cover player, like a more athletic version of Jaden Mickey, in my opinion. And Cree Thomas is like 6'1", long, rangy. They're very different players. Honestly, give me Dallas Golden and any, of those, any combination of those other two, and that's my dream class. Like, there's not a kid on that list, Vince, that I'm not fired up about. And that's that goes back to the question I had last week. You know, you know, when you're recruiting, do you have like, okay, I, this is my one, this is my two. The, to a degree, but you have this group of A guys, and you're going to take however many of those A guys that want to come, right? As far as if I, sure. if, if I got five A guys and I only need three corners, whichever one of those first three that wants to come, I'm taking them. 
Right. Because none of them are so good that I that I got to hold a spot for them. Maybe, you know, maybe there might be one. But it's like, dude, if I can get three of those five, that's a grand slam home run. And I don't care. Even if it's – if you were to rank them one through five, even if it's you only landed three, four, and five, home run. Right? Because yeah. they're all A guys to me. And, you know, the, the only one that I would say if – you know, Dallas Golden, the only other one that I would say I would really like to get is Devin Williams. Because Devin is the pure slot for me. So he fits more of that niche that, – that, that – that niche role or whatever they, you know, they like to say. Um, and <laughs> right. so then it's like, whoever else, that's why Devin kind of stands out to me. And I love the fact he plays at a big time high school in Georgia. Uh, but yet all, and all those kids love Mike Mickens. They all love Chad Bowden. So honestly, Vince, my dream class is any of those three. It's the first but, three. That's there, know, yeah. Dallas Golden's the one I really, really, really like to have. Okay. Um, so, and Devin Williams, for the reasons I mentioned, brings some uniqueness. But yeah, any combination of those three, and I'm fired up about that group. So, hopefully, that answers that question. And then, last one this is a, a lighthearted way to end it. All right, USMA 87. Did you enjoy Coach Marcus Freeman turning the tables on Tim O'Malley? That was Please. awesome. What? So, so what happened is, so here's the thing. So, so Tim O'Malley is coaching a flag football team, he has been all year. Oh, I've talked about it. Because yeah, he told yeah, me, yeah. he's like, he's like, hey, guess who's on my flag football team this year? And it's one of Coach Freeman's kids. Oh, okay. And so, like, they've interacted and stuff. And so, Coach Freeman's always giving them a hard time, you know, like, like flipping the tables a little bit. Well, this past weekend, uh, there was like, they played like all these flag football games. And Tim, like, coached a couple of them. And his son was on one of them. So, he was giving Tim a hard time. Like, what were you thinking you got this one kid and you do this. What were you thinking on that? Like, he's just like busting his chops like a reporter would. It was so funny. It was he great. He did it in the press conference? In the press conference, yeah. Oh, did he really? So Tim raises his hand or, you know, gets the mic and he's like, he's like, I got some questions for you when you're done, but go ahead and ask your questions. And so I knew where it was going to because Tim that and I have talked about funny. that. And so then Coach Freeman's like, so what, when you've got this Nico kid, which is his son, and, uh, you know, some about like getting in the ball or why you get in the ball or whatever. And then there's another question about, you know, your, your face in this situation and you run this play call. And, and there was like a couple others and it was That's just, he funny. was like grilling them. It was so great, man. It was so funny. Uh, and Tim took it like a champ. Tim starts answering the question, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like he's the coach and cause he is, he's the, he's, he's the coordinator. And he's like, who was That's the offense coordinator for the game? He goes, he was like, that, that'd, be, that'd be me. You know, it was, it was awesome, man. It was so great. Coach Freeman was having fun with it. Like, he wasn't, like, being a jerk. Sure. Like, well, yeah, I was oh, a yeah. flag football game, and you're making bad calls. It was fun. It was, like, lighthearted. Yeah. It was, like, two guys that respect each other. And it was giving him a hard time. But he did it respectfully. And then Tim was answering the questions. Like, you know, yeah, here's what was going on. And then there's one where he starts like blaming somebody. He goes, Oh, so you're going to throw the other coach on the bus. Huh? It was, I was awesome, dude. You got to watch it. It was so great. <laughs> it was so great. It was like one of the best press conference moments ever because it's, it's two people that clearly have respect yeah. for each other. Cause they've gotten to know each other a little bit, like away from it, like as yeah. dads, not right. like media guy, head coach, but as dads. And then that bled over into the professional part of it. And they both handled it great. And if yeah, anyone funny. in the media was going to handle that like a champ, you know it's Tim. Oh, 100%. I mean, Tim would have handled that better than anybody would. I mean, I would have had fun with it. Tim Priest would have had fun with it. I mean, we all would have had fun with it. But, like, just Tim O'Malley's a – I mean, you know, it was it was great, man. It was You got to watch it, Vince. It was awesome. That's it was, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, gonna you're going to have to watch that. It's worth going back and watching. It really is. So, yeah, it, it was great. And it he he did it like, okay, 
And you can see him like teeing it up. Like, I got some questions for you. Like, you know, he put thought into that. You know, he's think driving into work. Like when O'Malley asked me a question, I'm going to ask him. him about, I mean, you know, I he put some thought into it, man. It was so great. great. It was an awesome moment, man. It really was. So you're gonna have to watch it, Vince. It was, it was, it was awesome. I enjoyed That's that. Fantastic. Thoroughly. And I know both of them. I mean, obviously, you know, we know who Coach Freeman is, but like, you know, Tim and I, sure, oh yeah, you know, are, are close and 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 we're friends and stuff like that. And so it was just really fun to watch that experience. Experience to watch that moment. It was. That's it was funny. Great. It was great. So anyway, Vince, I can't believe we've gone four hours. That's nuts. I didn't realize we seriously. Four hours. I didn't we realize it was that really long. fast. And then I realized yeah. that the next show starts in 45 minutes. I yes. Was like, well, so that's going to do it for up. today. Why don't you go ahead and take yes. us out of here, man? All right, everybody. Thanks for having me for, uh, you know, a little midday roundup here for the mailbag. Back to the reality tomorrow, going back to school. But since you're here with us right now, make sure you hit that like button on your way out. Hit that subscribe button, the notification bell. You know, if you're listening to us on a podcast, leave us a five-star review. That would be fantastic. And, uh, you know, go get some dinner. You know, get you know, rest for about 44 minutes and then come on back because we got Ivy Nation Sports Talk at six o'clock. Sean and I, I, I have a rundown, haven't read it yet, but there is a rundown for tonight's show. I gotta take a look at that. And uh we're gonna come Yeah, we're gonna come right back at you at six o'clock. So make sure you stay tuned. And of course, there will be a show tomorrow at one o'clock as well. So make sure you stay with us. It's pit week. Uh, it's a chance to embarrass Pat Narduzzi uh, once again, and I, I always look forward to that. So, yes, in uh, an afternoon game as well. So it's really win-win all around as long as Notre Dame takes care of their business. So, but stick around with Irish Breakdown because we will get you ready for that Pit game, uh, Pit Notre Dame game that is coming your way at three thirty on Saturday. So, for Brian, I'm Vince, and we'll talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown podcast.